So you know I went to I went to Disney, right? Like last week. Yeah. Yeah. So we were there for a whole week. And um there's this ride that uh, Disney has where you get on a boat and you go around this thing and it's like it's playing it's a small world over and over and over again. After a while you get sick of it, right? But I was yeah. thinking about that idea that it's a small world, right? You know, I, I was over there, I got a chance to meet um Ton and Kyle yeah. who live in California. So um met up with them had a nice little dinner uh kind of caught up on some things and then what was really interesting another thing that really drove home that idea of like it being a small world was i was pretty sure that i walked right past ryan florence um i don't know the guy personally you know i've seen uh some of his talks and stuff like that and i know what he's about but uh i walked right by him and then he even was talking to his kids or something and i was like that sounds just like ryan florence and he's very like you know yeah, uh, you could tell us why. So anyway, I was like, it really is a small world. I go all the way to Disney and then I run into, you know, I get a chance to meet up with these folks that I haven't seen in a while. And then I also walk right past, you know, Ryan Florence. Well, potentially he's on vacation if it was him. Yeah. At Disneyland. Yeah. At Disneyland in California. You know, uh, so two things real quick on that note. First, I didn't realize Kyle was out in California. For some reason, I thought he was still around here in Texas. Um, but the, the second is, is that of course, uh, Ryan's Ryan's on that shared Discord server, so you can always just uh, ping him and ask. Oh, the lunch dev one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, <laughs> I need to get back in it and be a little more active. Um, you know, that's that's on me. But uh, yeah, so Kyle yeah, but- moved out there. Um, I think, I think about a year ago, him and his wife both took um, uh, jobs out that way or or something. I know he's working for Deloitte, which doesn't require him to be on site anywhere. Um, but we were trying to meet up when he came in for like a company thing about a couple months ago. It didn't work out. So it was nice that we were able to meet up uh, while I was out that way. Yeah, that's cool. I think I remember now you telling me that he he had moved out there. Um, so that's good. Also, I, I'll, I'll the other thing, just mentioning lunch dev, like they, uh, they're pretty big on, you know, meetups. So if you're ever in town or you're going to head somewhere, you can just be like, hey, I'm going to be here. Who's a, he's in town. You might have had a chance to have lunch with Michael uh, Chan because um, I know they they do quite a bit of that. So, but cool, man. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I'm on vacation this week as well. Uh, cool. Well, so it's um, Friday morning and we've spent the last couple of sessions where I'm kind of... Uh, focused on on some of the things that are happening, but I wanted to bring us back to where we sort of left off with uh, growing an organization. And one of the things that, of course, you know, is, is deeply like important to me, but also uh, I think is really, really important in not just like growing the organization, but just in general, like talent selection and personal growth is like getting to a place of like, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways to frame it, like open instead of closed or like, uh, curious, not certain, or like, but I, I like to say like questions, not statements, right? Like, uh, right. and I'll, I'll just start by telling you a story. Um, this like, of, of course, like I, I used to be a school teacher and so Socratic dialogue is really important to me. And I remember like, I would, students would like bring me their work and they'd be like, sir, can you check my work? And like, I would look at it and I would of course be doing something else usually with another student. So I'm kind of just like processing this. And instead of like checking their work, I'd be like, okay, can you just, just tell me what you did here? Like, can you tell me why you did it this way? And usually like they would look at their paper and there'd be like this five second pause. And they'd be like, 
oh, I see what I did wrong. And then they would go back to their desk to like work on it. And like, there's something really powerful about that of like, just shifting the ownership of, of a thought to the person that has it and being more of a questioner as opposed to like, I mean, there's, there's, there's something really powerful about hype and we've talked about hype, but more often than not, I see, especially in like the engineers that have been around the block for a while. I, and I think you'll, you'll catch this catchphrase that used to be really, really like constant when in, in a shared workspace of ours. And that is, but the problem with that is, and like everything has a, but the problem with that is. And like, but that statement, instead of a question of, okay, well, how will you address X, Y, Z? It just makes it so much more challenging. And so like, I think about that as like, you know, coaching towards uh, less or, you know, questions, not, not statements. And I'll remember just real quick. And uh, Tanya Penfield, you remember Tanya, uh, yep. such a brilliant lady. When I first started at USA, she actually gave me uh, this advice just very directly. She was like, Randy, in meetings, make it your goal to be the person that asks the most questions to the extent that when we would be in a shared meeting and she could tell that I wanted to say something, she would look at me and she'd say, Randy, do you have a question? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, really like just like really, really coaching Randy, do you have a, a question? And like, but I think that that mindset has helped me a great deal. Uh, not just in terms of like, you know, interacting and being able to build consensus, but also keeping me open to to the idea of being wrong or to not understanding the full context. And usually that's what it ends up being. It's like when I look at something and I have to like turn my coaching into a question, like, hey, why did we do it this way? Instead of don't do it that way, do this instead. Like asking that question, why did we do it this way? I might learn something. I might learn that the way that I would think is ideal is not ideal in this situation, but they might learn something too. the person that's like doing that. And it, and, and so like, I think that that opportunity is just too invaluable. Yeah. I was, um, I was thinking about something that's like overlooked quite often is, is the idea of like, you know, you've, the thing that you used to talk about and still talk about is um, the thought of coming from curious. Right. So as opposed to yeah. at attacking or because that's how it can feel. It can feel like you're being attacked when, when somebody's saying, Oh, you know, and, and I pick up on social cues a lot. It's one of the things like I do. And I want to come back to something that you said in the, a minute ago, but when you come across and you look at someone's code and just because that's what we're talking about, but, but it could be anything, right. It could be an email they composed. It could be the way they did a certain thing, wrote up documentation. Um, but more specifically to code, if you come across it the wrong way, it can come across as like an attack. Yeah. Uh, very, per very personal. And it can be demoralizing and it can really like shut someone down and, and, and hurt someone for a long time. So mm. there is that that's important not to do that, or at least to identify it early on. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't identify early enough. Uh, because I remember talking about this a while ago was there's like a couple, there's like stages to, learning uh, yeah. in the very beginning you don't know at all and then you start to learn this thing and you and then at, the more you learn this thing you start to grow in confidence and as you grow in confidence then you start to de develop opinions about it and how it should be in the right way that it should be and yeah. then somewhere down the line with more experience then you kind of soften on those and you say you know what 
there's more than one way to do this thing, right? That was just one way. And you soften on the opinions. And that's it's important that we get there. Because if we're in the middle, really hard and fast on our opinions on the way that things should be, then we end up in a lot of conflict, right? Because yeah. we all do th- we all do things differently. We write code differently. We solve problems differently. But there's more than one way to solve a problem. And it took me a really long time to get to the point to where I stopped caring about like a specific technology or a specific way of doing things, and I just cared about like solving the problem. Right. And one specific example for me is that once I kind of like started working with React, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to basically solve my problems in React all the time if I can. I was very opinionated. I loved it, right? So, and I wanted to do it a certain way and write it a certain way. And ultimately today, I don't care if it's React or vanilla JavaScript or Svelte or Vue. I don't even care. It's just let's solve problems that are important, right? And and we all, hopefully we all get there. Some people I've seen, you know, been doing this for a long time. They still haven't gotten there. But the sooner you can get there, that it's more about solving problems as opposed to using this specific technology or this specific way to solve it, then you can actually move faster because you get out of each other's way. Uh, very similar yeah. to like the stuff we're doing with Anvil. We can get out of each other's way. And let's just solve the problem let's just get the solution or a solution into production and we'll deal with it later right it's important extremely important that we get there before i let you go into the next thing i wanted to call out something that you mentioned with tanya Uh, tanya was really good at like reading people yeah so she she could see if you had a question and that's something that's really important or or something's on your mind when i'm in meetings and i've seen this in the past you know, whether it's in-person meetings or in Zoom meetings, it's really important to read the room. A lot of times what happens is you have like one or two like A-type personalities or whatever, and they kind of dominate the conversations. And from the beginning of the meeting to the end of the meeting, it's one or two people dominating the meeting. And what happens is a lot of the other folks that aren't so, just to use the word lightly, aggressive, uh, their opinions get, get left behind. They never make it onto the table. And so it's important that when you're running meetings, this is for us or for other people that are listening, that you read the room. And then you also have to make sure that those people get an opportunity to speak because, you know, I know we've both seen it. It doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. If, if I'm reading you right now and you're like, Oh, Randy is ready to jump in. But if I don't stop talking, then what you have to say never makes it out there. Right. And, And that's important. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to, you just like clicked on a bunch of different things that I want to just touch on. And the first is when you're talking about like, you know, we talked a little bit about code reviews, but it really could be anything. And like people that like you can feel attacked and it can shut a person down. And like the the thought here that I, that I think to really drive home is that open teams are made of open people, people that are just out to solve a problem. And so like when, when I think about like, you know, code reviews and and coming from curious and understanding that like somebody might solve a problem differently than me, but it might be like, it's not, it's not a terrible thing. And, and a big part of what I sort of sell people on now is that code review isn't so much an opportunity to get the code right as it is to have a shared understanding of the world that you're building because code really is that code is just like a representation of a world that we're building together in most cases. And a code review isn't a place for them to, to tell people like, oh, build my world. 
Instead, it's to say like, what what is like your perspective on this world that we're having to build together, this representation to make sure that like, I understand the way that you see things. And then if there are like some things to tweak in there about the way that we think about this machine or the system, then there's an opportunity to, oh, well, I, I'm sort of thinking about it this way, like uh, one of the, you know, one of the trade-offs, but the thinking really critically. A really great example of this, and I probably have said this on the podcast before, but maybe not. And since it's happened, it's happened a second time as I was doing an interview really recently. And I have this sort of like line of questioning that I go through. It's all very scenario based. And I was really surprised because a guy I was interviewing, and again, it happened really recently with like a completely, nobody had proposed this solution before, but it was really brilliant. Like his solution was not the solution that I sort of was, uh, and, and I'll just say it like looking for, you know, that I'm looking for when I ask these questions, it was a completely different solution, but it was brilliant. And I was like, I had to sort of step back and say like, you know what, that's not the way I would solve this problem, but like, that's not the point of the question. The question is to hear how they solve problems and how they think about problems. And like, honestly, like I learned something because my mental model is very constrained to one specific point in, in this problem set. And they're like, well, we can focus over here instead and, and solve the problem. And that's really, really uh, brilliant. And then, so all of that to say that like, you're absolutely right on that, like being open instead of closed and coming from curious, like asking those questions, well, why did you do it this way is, is so, so important. And then like with with the bit about like people being at the table and in the room, uh, I, the, you know, the thing that I think about a lot here and just in general is like, especially with aggressive personalities and you see this online and I'm not going to pick on anybody because I know it's like just the culture, but even with like people new to the industry, they feel like they have to dispense wisdom. They have to be wisdom dispensaries. They have to give advice and tell you how to do a thing instead of to say how I have done a thing, right? Like, let me just, instead of telling you the rules, let me tell you my story. And like, you get that in, I think this is like endemic to tech culture. You get people in a meeting and they feel like they have to do that. They have to dispense, dispense, dispense and have something to say. And, and I feel like the times when I have felt most effective in a, in a, in a meeting or in an initiative is when I've said less but because of that been heard more because when I, and, and I try to, I've like been called out this recently at work because of like that experience that you're describing. I try really, really hard to in meetings now to like, just take a pause and say, well, X, Y, Z is here in the meeting because they're valued. Their perspective is valued. Like they wouldn't be here if we didn't value their perspective. So like, let's hear from them, you know, like, let's actually like take a moment and hear what they have to say because they're here because we know that there's what they have to say is important. Yeah, it, it enforces or reinforces the value of everybody on the team, right? That exactly what you said, that, that they're there for a reason. You hire these people for a reason. So, you know, take everything that they bring, not only their, their ability to, you know, solve a problem in code, or maybe they're a project manager and that's the thing they do. But instead of keeping pe people siloed and say, hey, just go do your job, the one job I hired you for, allow them to have a say and have a have ownership in things so at my last place that i i recently left um there was this project manager who she used to be very technical and i don't think a lot of people knew that and so she understood the technical side of things and how things were built and it can easily come away from other people or my opinion was that other people would have the thought that she should stay in her lane 
kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When she had been in their shoes before and then now she had moved on because it's, it's quite common like a lot of folks who will start off as developers and and it's not necessarily that they couldn't hack it but maybe they they had greater ambitions or or they just they just shifted right, right. so you yeah, yeah. might start as a developer and you go to the business side uh maybe you go to design or you go to qa whatever the case is but we have to step back and understand that these people have a wide range of skills and background and so you want to take that from people when you when you get into a room like you're talking about whether it's on Zoom or whether it's on in you know in a physical room, give people the opportunity to speak. And the only way for you to give people the opportunity to speak is to speak less. Yeah. Um, you know, in your position, you might be running a lot of meetings, which means that you could talk the whole meeting if you wanted to, right? And nobody could stop you because it's your meeting, right? But but then you could have had the meeting by yourself because you already made all the decisions, and that's not the whole point of getting people together. Otherwise, you're just wasting their time. You're getting people together so you can not only seek input, but give people ownership, right? So again, we're building this thing together, not Randy's building this thing or Ram's building this thing. And I periodically would like to get some input when I mess up or whatever. No, it's we're building this thing together. The solutions are different and that's okay um, because you're solving the problem together. And and, and then think back to the the cost of if you did everything now you burn yourself out right you don't delegate um yeah. nobody feels ownership and 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 i'm i'm a huge believer in like build the team that makes you successful and then that gives you the ability to delegate and and the confidence to delegate so if you think about like that the whole small world idea we've worked together for quite a bit right but there's other people that we're, we have worked with in the past that we are most likely going to bring into, into this yeah. at some point in time because I'm going to entrust that person with this, with this work or this domain. And I'm going to trust that they're going to, they're going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons too, right? We're probably going to look to someone we, we worked with in the past and we have great confidence in that person. No, it's, it's good. Um, but like the thing that I also think about, like you're talking about like building the team and making and entrusting them. And that's like, I don't know. I think about like agendas sometimes we're talking a lot about meetings, but like this idea of like open and closed and like being the decision maker and like at work, I try pretty hard not to be the decision maker, especially like, especially like in the front end space. I know I've got a bit of experience there, but that's like sort of periphery of the domain that I work in now. And so like, I, I mostly try to come with questions. So like, I try to write agendas that are like, here are my questions. And like, it just makes me think about like, when you say like, come with your questions and like, that's usually like, here's our agenda, come with your questions, or here's this document to review, come with your questions. And like, just making sure that we're, we're focusing on like communicating open instead of closed. But I also want to think about like the other side of that. And that is like, being the person that is not bringing their questions. Like I think about two other pieces of this. And one is I had a a teammate recently doing a code review and they said like, it's so obvious that they have questions because they're like, kind of just like keep trying stuff and keep trying stuff, but they're not asking them. And so I'm not really sure what to do to help them because they're not actually asking the questions. And I, so I was like, well, how can you get them to ask the question? Like, can you like, can you draw it out of them? And, uh, but that, so that's one part of it. But then the other part is like in a very similar vein, like I've have had engineers tell me like, oh, I can't do this. Like a good example is recently, like I can't use MSW on a class-based component. 
And like, I think a lot about the distance between I don't know and it's not possible, especially from like a, you know, coming from curious. Like if you're not coming from curious, you don't ask, well, how can I do this? You say, I can't do this. Therefore, it's not possible. And like, so I think about that, not just from a, like definitely from a leadership, but also from a, you know, bottoms up writing the code you want to see in the world sort of, and and being the teammate you want to see in the world. And that's getting to a place where you say, well, how is this possible? If somebody is asking me about this, there's a chance that it's possible. How do I get there? As opposed to, well, that's not possible because I've never seen it done or I don't know how to do it. And like, that's, and some of that is sort of the going around the leaf thing, right? Like where if it deviates just a little bit, we no longer like, we don't know what to do. We get lost. And, uh, but maybe the deviations aren't, aren't super important. Uh, but I do think a little bit about that as well. Yeah. You mentioned the, the, the gap or the distance between, I don't know, and it's not possible. And I think, you know, I've seen, I've seen more in like, early career folks simply because because the experience hasn't been built up yet there's this i don't know and so therefore it's not possible and so use this as an example imagine you were built building something right in i'll I'll use react imagine you were building something in react and, and you start building it and everything's going good so far and then you try to implement this new thing and you're like oh it's it's not you know i'm having such a hard time it must not be possible yeah. Right. I'm trying to implement this feature. Oh man, you know, I've tried this. I've read the docs. It's just not possible. We need to switch everything to Angular, right? Or we need to switch everything to Vue. Yeah. And and it's it's simply because we don't really have an understanding. And then and then have they even asked questions, right? And looked for guidance. And that's that's probably the key too. It doesn't matter if. You know, we've both been writing code for longer, to, long time. You more than me, but you, we run into t- things all the time where it feels like, oh, that's new, or that didn't happen before, or I've never run into this issue. Um, you know, and, and your your first take isn't your first take isn't let's pivot off the platform, let's pivot to something brand new, let's just build this thing from scratch, right? right. It's let me further understand why this doesn't work or why I have a problem here. And let's get to the bottom of it, right? And that's the whole, you know, that 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 comes from experience. Um, it comes from asking questions and just realizing that you're not like the expert in everything. You know, I feel pretty comfortable like in, in reaction. I feel pretty comfortable like in code as a whole. I think you're maybe burying the lead here, Ram. I would, uh, I'll, yeah. I will say this on the podcast, but uh, uh I think you're you're a pretty amazing React engineer. I have been on the record saying more than one time that you're better at React these days than I am. You know, I, I mean, I appreciate that. But though the biggest mistake I can make or anybody can make is to simply say, "Man, I'm I'm amazing at this thing. There's nothing I don't know," or yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Because then what that does is you, know, you kind of shut yourself off to new things and to uh, you know, React 18 just came out and there's some changes there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's stuff that I don't know yet. Uh, maybe there's stuff that I don't need to know. Yeah, I think the 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 big takeaway is like to like to me, it's it is, I mean, one, and this is 
because it's sort of a soundbite that I've taken from, I, and I don't remember like this is sort of apocryphal, but I'm pretty sure coming from curious came from Tanya, but like making sure that we come from curious, we ask the why or how questions and like hone in on like, a, okay, yes, there are things that are different and there are definitely problems. Like you get that, oh, but it's different or, but the problem with that is X, Y, Z and, and sort of getting past that. And first asking like, do the differences matter? And, or do the problems matter for the, the problem that we're trying to solve? Like, great, like it's not going to scale to a thousand, you know, whatever. Do I have another solution for that problem? Or does it not matter right now because I don't have that kind of load or whatever? Like I, you know, getting past those things and asking like, okay, but like, so why? Why why would we go down this path? And if we do, how do we solve these other problems? And really starting to address like the the core learning opportunity that exists and being open to alternatives as a, as an individual, as a team and as a leader, I, th- I mean, I come back to like an open team and an open organization is composed of open individuals. Like if you have, as a, if you have somebody in that organization that is pre-closed and feels like they have it all figured out, right? Like it's going to be challenging to drive curiosity as a whole um, because they're, they're going to like a person that is closed is going to want to see it done their way. And unless we, unless you like build that maturity to say like, it doesn't have to go that way. But then the other part of that, that I think about is I'm like going through that is, you know, an open organization and an open team is really just focused on like solving the problem and making sure that the solution makes sense to everybody, as opposed to the solution is right. Because like, I don't know how to build the right solution, but I can tell you that building the wrong solution is definitely done by not having everybody understand the solution that gets built. Yeah, I think we've seen that in a couple of places. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, not, and it, and that includes us, right? We've, we've made that mistake before. So I don't want to say, yeah. I don't want anybody thinking that, that Ram and Randy are saying, you know, they're you know, genius software engineers. I don't even consider myself anywhere near like a 10x developer, if I'm using that term. I'm like you a 0.5x like developer. <laughs> I like to say at, at, I'm at best a four pixel developer. <laughs> you know, because uh, the truth is solving problems is more important than than knowing how to solve. Okay, I'm good. So if we think about it, right, we've talked about this before. An idea is just an idea until you execute on it. Yeah. And that's the truth, right? You've got a ton of them. I've got a ton of them. I got a whole, I've got like this notepad here that I used to keep um, ideas in. And the truth is, is that it's nothing until you execute it on it. And then let's say two or more individuals or companies execute on the same thing, whichever one executes better, right? That, that meets their customers needs better. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's typically going to survive. Right. And we can see that with a lot of things. Um, you can look at, I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> I'm sure you remember Skype, right? Yeah. Skype was a Microsoft tool. It kind of sucked, right? And then here comes along, well, not not like directly after it, but but if you compare Zoom and Skype, yeah, Zoom is by far, you know, solves our problem. Um, it cares about the customer experience, right? It's just a better solution. And yeah. we're Skype now. It's got replaced, right? There's like Microsoft Teams now, which I hear is still not a great uh, implementation. There's there's some interviews that I did where they were using teams and it was a headache. And I felt like saying, Oh, you're using teams. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> uh, y'all chose it's teams the- for your collaboration. I'm out. 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's tough. That's that's a a great one. I'll just say that like there's definitely some complexity in in our systems where I mean you've you've experienced some of these recently when you were trying to add some stuff and like you're like, well, why does it have to be this? And like that's a great example of like some uh some some complexity in our system. So definitely don't think we're like the bee's knees in that regard. I think that's really it's really easy to do to to mistake a problem for a solution um, or because like you're thinking about like it's a solution now, but it's, it won't be down the, down the road. But like the other, the other thing that you're talking about there with like the value is I, somebody said this to me recently and I don't know who it is. And this may be com- conversation for a whole other podcast, but it's really changed my perspective. And it's kind of, it comes in two, two phases. The first is your customers don't care about your code base. And that is, such an important thing to wrap my head around because like it's true your customers don't they don't care if it's kotlin or react or they don't care they care and and you know when when you have those questions like you know you're not dealing with your customers you're dealing with like with with a different population your customers don't care about your code base and that's one part of it and then the second part of that is like the thing that extends is that code is a liability and product is an asset and like, that's such a pro like that, that literally, I, I, I kid you not changed the way that I thought about like organizational, like, like engineering organizations, because it's like product is the asset. And that's to your point, like the, the, your, your customer cares about the value that you drive, not whether or not like you wrote the code in the most like nerdy way possible, <laughs> like just to call it like, you know, or like whether or not you use this way that this person that's been doing this for 10 years or myself, they don't like, nobody cares if you did state the way Randy thinks you should do state, or you used Redux the way that Randy thinks you should do Redux. What they care about is, can I use this product? And and I think that's the important thing that we should all care about, you know, uh, barring some, you know, really obvious pain points. I think that to me, hint at a misunderstanding of the overall context. Like, I think like if you see somebody doing something weird, what what we would consider like weird or atypical in, in a tool, it's usually a good indicator that there's a misunderstanding of how the system works. And that's the curiosity. That's the curiosity to address is like, Hey, here's how this works. Like a, a really basic example, we're talking a lot about React is like inline functions as props. Like there's a reason that that's not a good idea, but it's less, it's like, but the, 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 the thing to address is how React actually renders. And this gets back to something you and I talked a little bit about, which may be off topic, but, um, you know, getting past the, okay, it works and really understanding, okay, well, why and how does it work? Uh, because because it, it works, yeah, that's fine. But like, there comes a point when that inline function is going to, to hurt you. Uh, because it's going to, you know, we can just say it's a not, it's a destructive reference. So it's going to be rebuilt every time you're going to cause some render thrashing. And like the important thing there isn't, ah, uh, don't do it. It's, Hey, let's understand react better together. And what does react care about? Like, what is this whole idea of like functional representation of, of display and stuff? It's funny. You mentioned the, what, why, and how these are like things that I had just talked about, um, on that, uh, that night with react that Danny Thompson had put together. Yeah. Um, exactly that. I was talking about like interviews and things like that. How do you, how do you make yourself stand out? And one of the points that I was trying to drive home was not only understanding the how, because a lot of times when we work with a new tool or technology, we're like, Oh, here's the syntax. This is how I do this. Right. Mm -hmm. This is how I write a function in, you know, Python or whatever. But 
I don't want to say very rarely, but with experience, then we decide, oh, we also should potentially learn the how Mm -hmm. right behind it. And when you get into an interview, you can, the better you can explain or understand not only the how, but the what and the why, right? Then you kind of set yourself apart and like, hey, this person has a greater understanding of this. And because of that, they're potentially going to write, you know, more robust code or whatever it is. And they're going to be able to help other people out uh, and, and those kinds of things. But exactly that is... Um, and not to beat on the topic of like this specific framework or this specific library. Uh, I don't want to start a war by saying framework right. by accident, <laughs> but though it comes back to the whole thing that we were talking about is being open. Yeah. So on both ends on, you know, the person who has feedback come from curious and, you know, as opposed to come from, Hey, this is wrong. Well, who told you to do that this way? Right. Uh, ask questions. That's, the, it, that's a question, but it's not the 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 best tonal. Like it's it's a tonally, exactly. yeah. A, 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 you know, there's a more beautiful question there. Right. Um, so that's that's coming from from that perspective, and then the other one is being on the receiving end of the feedback. Mm-hmm. So and being open to receive the feedback, and then having a dialogue as opposed to potentially shutting down or putting up walls. Um, you can easily shut down and be like, oh well, I guess I. I can't do this job and, and imposter syndrome can set in and all that stuff. And we can really start to question our very existence. Why did I get hired? What am I doing here? Um, and you can just shut down. And and then the other part of that is putting up a wall and say, well, no, the way I did it is is right. It's the right way to do it. And we can put up a wall like that. So from both perspectives, the key here is being open um, and having those those dialogues that allow us to move forward. And don't keep us, you know, stuck in the same place. And I'm, I'm kind of referencing something you talked to me about like a couple of weeks ago, how you end up in this meeting that just basically goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super, it's, it's counterproductive is what it is. And, and it goes back to the whole thing. Your customers don't care about your code base. They don't care yeah. what it looks like. They don't care what language it's written in. They don't care how you implemented this. All they care about is that they can go through the flow that they can use your application as expected. And that's what's important. Yeah. And I want to tack on the third, the third body there. That's really important to me. And that's like, if you're a leader, like leading with questions, you know, and I think about this a lot in in my spaces, like, how do I lead with questions? And then something I want to like table, like, I also think about like, how do I instill a yes and culture? Because I think those two are very related. Um, it's like, but leading with questions, I think is, is really, really important. So if you have, you know, the, you, you kind of got those three layers, you have the, your leadership needs to, and that's drives an open culture. Cause if the leaders are asking questions instead of like issuing edicts, like then, then everybody feels more empowered, um, because they're deferring ownership of that decision. And that is, I think, really, really important all by itself, but it's also going to help and build that open organization. So just absolutely. Yeah, so talking about the deferring of ownership, I think that's really important. People feel empowered. They feel part of the code base, right? They uh, feel part of the decision-making, which is really important. And it, it ties people in for the long-term as opposed to, I'm just here to help you solve this one problem now. And then you obviously don't care about me, right? So it helps to it helps to keep people grounded and to use something we talked about last week, it helps to align our futures. Yeah, that's exactly right? what I was going to say. Absolutely. Now you're part of where we're going. 
You're yeah. not just part of the now. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Like the when you when you when you're pushing these questions out and letting people like there's like ownership stake, right? There's like I can get like uh stock or stock options or RSUs or all the different initials that I don't know. But another sense of ownership stake is just how present are you in the decisions that are made and in the code that is written? Like that's ownership stake. Like how present, how like when I was at USAA, I had an engineer once tell me that they could tell the code bases I had been in because I have a specific style of code that I've honestly deviated away from quite a bit now. Um, but like knowing that, do you, can you see yourself present in the system that's been built? And that's really, really important. But that's also why I think it's really important to think of code is less, it's less about like, I wrote this function and it's more about like, we are building something together. This is the best representation of the problem domain that we have. And it makes the most sense if it's, it's all of our understanding. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up there, but, but lastly that's super important i hadn't really thought about that comparison before is in terms of ownership you know when we both left you'll say we went to a couple companies um you get these stock options you get like this potential equity and i call and i like to refer to it as potential equity because it means nothing until something happens and and it also means nothing until you're vested right uh so i'd rather have ownership in you know, along the way, uh, in the code base, in the decisions, as opposed to, hey, I got, you know, 10,000 RSUs or whatever it is that I am potentially not even going to be around to to see them realize or, or mean anything any day. Give me ownership. Allow me to be part of the decision making. That's what's important to me. That is. Absolutely. 